This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to VersusTheUniverse.com. That's VSTheUniverse.com. Ring, 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 ring. This is Liz. Hello, Liz. Hello. This is Ghostface. Ghostface? Can you spell that? Oh, I'm, I'm not good at spelling. I'm really more good at terrorizing. I'm sorry. Did you say terrorizing? Terrorizing. I think you might have the wrong number. Oh, my, my apologies. Sorry. Oh, okay. Have a good night. You too. Ring, 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 ring. This is Liz. Hello, Liz. Hi, is this uh, the terrorizing guy? Th- I think this is Ghostface. Yeah, we just talked. I think you you have the wrong phone number. I wait. Is this is this Liz from the Cooperatives podcast? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, great. Oh, wait. Sorry. Let me let me let me go back. That okay. I made notes. Are you alone in the apartment, Liz? No, actually, I have a. Uh, I'm living here with my boyfriend, Aaron. Liz, who is it? It's uh, Mr. Ghostface. Oh, this is so embarrassing. This is this is very very weird. I'm so sorry. I thought that you were alone. I had this whole thing. I was gonna do like a scream thing. Have you ever seen Scream? Oh yeah, with Nev Campbell. Yeah, and Drew Barrymore in the beginning. Yeah, like, she burns the popcorn and like, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm very very sad that I had to. That I had to bother you on this night. I, I, I guess I'll just let you go back to whatever it is you're doing. Oh, thanks. Okay, uh, maybe some other time? Probably not. Oh, okay. That that hurts. That's fine. No, that's yeah. fine. Right. Uh, okay. You, if you're going to dish it, you also, you know, you got to take it too, so. Point taken. Okay. I tell you what, I'm, I'm just going to go. Yeah, that might be for Liz, the best. Liz, are you still on the phone? We have to record soon. Yeah, I'm just trying to get this. I think he's maybe trying to sell like a security plan or something. I'm Tell trying- him we don't want it. They keep calling. Yeah, sorry. I, I have to go, oh, but sorry. good okay. luck okay, bye. with okay. your sales okay. or whatever. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, sorry. Ugh, just uh, thank you for getting everything set up. Whew. All right. Yeah, sorry for being late. You just came from uh, from like a big old recording too. I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. I'm like still jazzed. I was, uh, I actually was just playing Dr. Liara Tassoni in a Mass Effect Are you RPG. Serious? Yeah. Oh my God. I, l- okay. I love Mass Effect. It I was love really Liara. cool. I know. That sounds great. The Asari Doctor. She's great. I really liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. Can you, and- can you give me just a little like taste of your Liara voice? Um, well, some people know me now as the Shadow Broker. <gasps> I got tingles and I know. jingles. She this has like great. a sort of seductive voice, which is fun. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, so this is a lot. <laughs> this is a. I like her also. I romanced her in every game that I played with her in it. Um, this is a live live play. Is that what they're called? Uh, I, I call them like an actual play, a live actual play. play? Yeah. yeah. So so the the podcast. It's not like this one where we just talk about mm-hmm. a game. The podcast that I was it's just actually on. You guys playing, right? It's actually us playing. That's so neat. um, yeah, we'll make sure to disseminate that information as as the release date comes up. Yeah. Um, well, it was well, fun. I know you're playing a bunch of other things too. Uh, it's it's obviously we're in the middle of Halloween. Yes. And we are in full. Spooky swing. So, we are. so what? What are you playing? What are you watching right now? What are you? What are you what reading? Am I playing? Watching? Okay, so I'm still playing Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. which I think I've said the You're last couple times. You're playing Tomb Raider times. two, right? The mm-hmm. the Rise of the Tomb yeah, Raider. Yeah, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, so maybe I wasn't playing that last time. I, I don't I know. Can't remember. Yeah. But it's I'm I'm getting towards the end, and it's really fun. Although I'm getting a little itchy to pick Destiny up again. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just what happens. I know. Um, and 
watching we we saw this oh movie God. last night it was so good i'm so happy i still have like aftershocks from how happy i was yeah so we went to see this movie called happy death day yeah yeah and yeah. uh i'm like not always super interested in seeing scary movies at the theater even though this fall i've already seen two but yeah. so we went to see this movie happy death day and this is the first horror movie in a long time that i've seen the trailer and been like yeah i want to see that in theater it was very like i I showed you the trailer and I was obviously very enthusiastic because I'm enthusiastic about everything, but I was like trying to give you a sell on it very, very early. And from the moment you saw the trailer, like I'm intrigued by this and I'm like, yes, we're going to do it. Right. It's basically like a Groundhog Day situation where at the beginning, this girl is killed by like a scream style slasher wearing this terrible baby mask. Instead of a ghost face mask. It's, it's just a, a weird mask. baby face. Yeah. And so... Um, <laughs> not the singer. She... Right. Not No. A baby's space yeah. face. A, n- not a baby's face in space. It's just a baby. A face of a baby. Yeah. But as a mask. Yeah. Not a real face of an actual no, baby. No. It's plastic. Okay. So she gets killed by this slasher. And then you're like, oh, that was a 10 minute scary movie. But so then she wakes up and it's the beginning of that same day again. And so the next day she's like kind of having a hangover and is like is this is really happening and she like goes through this process like the groundhog day process of slowly mm-hmm. being like no i'm really reliving the same day over and over again and every time she's killed and this is all in the trailer like you see that she's killed multiple times mm-hmm. by this slasher and she's like i guess i have to figure out who this person is what and stop idea, the murder right it's, like, it's it's such a novel concept i'm very surprised it hasn't happened before yeah this. it's weird it's both novel and then not right because there's like groundhog day out there but it's a really well no one's ever done it for a horror movie right like it's a really obvious twist i think on groundhog day and mm-hmm. they managed to do it really well and it's yeah. not like totally predictable and it's just like kind of it's it's weird cuz it's part slasher like scream style horror film but it's also part like pretty smart teen sort of college comedy yeah yeah it's it's funnier than i thought it would be but as soon as it ended i looked over at you and i was like that's a new classic it was so fun so yeah i mean i think that it's it's done really well Mm -hmm. relative to what they expected like they didn't advertise it very much so Mm -hmm. If you are listening to this and it's still in theaters, I highly totally recommend it. it. <clears throat> but it's it's worth a rental too. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm reading. So, so I'm actually playing a really scary game, and I'm reading a really scary book. I'm playing a video game called The Evil Within Two, oh, man. and it's a bad idea to play this game at night before you came home. I sent you a text that was like, "This is a capital B." I know. Bad idea. Uh, it's a creepy game. It's very creepy, and it's so deliberate. And I, I I think the cool thing is like you're this detective that goes into like this matrix as if the matrix was controlled by freddy krueger yeah so you can open the door and like it can be like a waiting room for a a hospital and there can be all these sick people then you can walk through another door and it can be like your bedroom and you can see like a ghost crying over your bed or doing something creepy and like every every scene is something sinister and very foreboding and scary and i love it i just can't play it for more than like an hour without getting creeped out yeah um but yeah, it's really it's, good. It's even creepy to watch. Like, I think the first night you started it. Oh, <laughs> so it came tense. out at like 11 p.m. Yeah, it came out on Friday the 13th, which was like. We had just perfect. watched that. We had just watched that movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. then 
I was like, this is this will be a fun game to watch. I don't really like to play super <laughs> scary games. I think I've talked about that this before. This will be a fun game. This but is I was, super I scary I like to game. watch them because yeah, yeah. like if I'm playing it, I feel like I'm the one that's going to get like slashed when I walk through a door. Yeah, well, like when you're playing a video game that's supposed to be like a scary movie, you're in control of your own fate. So if you die, it's like. Yeah. Uh, See, it's funny. This is like our two views on life, right? Because I'm like, that means if I get murdered, it's my fault. <laughs> and you're like, no, I get to control whether I get murdered <laughs> <laughs> just like real life yeah i'm also i'm reading a, a really good book and i kind of i sped through the first two thirds and i'm kind of doing a slow burn for the last one but I'm, I'm reading a book called lovecraft country by matt ruff it's basically the story of an african-american family in 1950s chicago that is dealing with the occult and racism in america and I didn't realize it took place in Chicago. That's cool. Yeah, and and so like one of the characters is named Montrose, and they, <laughs> like they they clearly don't know the complete layout of Chicago, but oh, they cherry no. picked some things about it. Yeah, it's just a it's just a, a very it's a very interesting book, and it's doing some interesting things. And I hear that Jordan Peele is going to adapt it for a TV series. That's what initially got me to pick it up. But uh, I'm just really digging it right now. It, it's very, it's, uh, as as Liz laughs when I say, it's suitably spooky. Suitably spooky. You know what? We're playing a suitably spooky game for this week's episode because it's freaking October and it's the like only month of the year that we get to release three episodes in the same month. And I'm so happy we got to play three scary games. Yeah. Liz, what did we play this week? We played Betrayal at House on the Hill. And we but also wait, played, wait, wait, wait. Well, wait, what? We didn't clink. Well, we also played Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Oh, I see. Yeah. Now should we clink? We should clink. All, All right. right. You have a water bottle. I have a beer. I know. Can. I was. I just realized I should get a drink. All right. I let's let's try to make the clink loud. All right. Okay. I'm, that was really it's bad. It's like sword fighting. Come here. That's fine. All right. Let's go. Oh no. Welcome to the Cooperatives Podcast with the real-life human couple, Liz and Aaron. Oh, hello. Hi. How you doing? I'm great. That's good. I'm, are you ready? I'm ready. We're I've been gonna, ready forever. We're going to discuss, like we usually do, mm-hmm. the joys and sorrows mm-hmm. of cooperative gaming, mm-hmm. but with a significant other. Oh, so that's me. And me. Okay, cool. So Together. yeah, we are, we are suited for this task. Fantastic. Right. And today, yeah. we're talking about... Betrayal at the House on the Hill mm-hmm. and Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Baby, that's just a lot of betraying. This is like a, a big old betrayal thing. It's a, it's a betraying kind of year. And two weeks ago, we did Dead of Winter and, and you were the betrayer in that game. Like, that's just a lot oh, of betraying. Yeah. And, and why are we playing so many games with betrayals in them? Like, I don't know. I've been wondering. And here's the thing. You keep suggesting it. I'm drinking a modified version of the fall, y'all. And I'm just drinking whiskey. Yeah, so it's going to be a good time. Should we just do like a clink now? Because we, we Yeah, so previously I clinked with the water bottle and I realized my terrible mistake. Yeah, you got up your game. All right, here we go. Clink with the glasses. Perfect. Beautiful. Yeah, so Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Liz, let me tell you a little bit about these games. Please do. So Betrayal at the House on the Hill was originally released in 2004 by Avalon Hill and Wizards of the Coast. They had a lot of different designers on it, including Rob Daviau, Bruce Glasgow, Bill McQuillan, Mike Selinker, and Teowin Woodruff. Now, there also was Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which just came out last week, and that was designed by Chris Dupuy and Mike Merles. There was an expansion for Betrayal at the House in the Hill called Widow's Walk, which we also played, and that, that had the same design team and about 50 different guest designers come in. This right. game's been out for a long time. People love it. 
pretty much everyone has been telling us to play this game, and I think it's one of the first games I bought a long time ago. Yeah, I think it's a game that came up early on when we talked about doing this podcast because it was a cooperative game that I know I played years ago before I really had like a head for what was a mm-hmm. cooperative game and what was not. Um, this is sort of one of the games that helped me understand it, which is funny because it does fall into that category of not entirely co-op. I actually, I was thinking this before we started. There is no way for the game to be cooperative all the way through, right? I don't so, think. So basically what happens with Betrayal of the House in the Hill is at the beginning of the game, you pick a character. Right. And this character has four different attributes, knowledge, speed, might, insanity. And over the course of the game, these attributes could go up or down as you explore this house. As you move around this board, you're actually creating it for yourself. When you enter a room, you pull up a room tile, and you're putting that room into the world. Right. Like, you might you might be like, okay, I'm going to walk through these two room tiles, and then I'm going to go left out of this door, mm-hmm. and there's no room out there. And so then you pull a card, and it says, the library. You're just an architect. You're just a creepy, ghouly architect. That's all you're doing. You're making a haunted house. See, I don't think of it as making it so much as, like... Discovering you it? You know? Yeah, you're discovering it. Like, I imagine it's sort of like a... Like if you have a flashlight beam and mm-hmm. then there's like a hard edge to it, right? So that you can't see anything outside the flashlight beam. So then once you go into the next space, mm-hmm. that's when it appears. It's illuminated. Right. Because then they stay there and then you can walk through them. So but the neat- discovering the rooms is the best part. So the neat thing about it is every time you play the game, it's going to be different because uh, these room tiles are shuffled every time you play. So the layout's going to be completely different every single time. But here's right. the catch. When you enter a room, you may pick up either an item, an event, or an omen. Omens are interesting little cards that can give you some special instructions, some buffs, but also the more omens you get, the closer you get to unveiling what they call the haunt. Now when the haunt, yeah, exactly. The haunt is basically the game changer. You're gonna take the data of what you've already uncovered in the house, plus that omen card, You're going to match up that data to a scenario in a book, and then you're going to determine who the betrayer is, and the book will tell you who the betrayer is. That person will go in a room. They have a whole new set of rules. Right. While everybody else at the table opens up a book, reads the scenario for this haunt, Mm -hmm. and then they have their own set of rules, and the game is completely different. So the game always begins the same way. You're exploring a house, and you're getting items, but after the haunt, it's completely different. Uh, Betrayal at the House in the Hill came with about 40 to 50 different scenarios. The expansion, Widow's Walk, added another 50. And Betrayal at Baldur's Gate has, I think, I want to say like 40 in there as well. There's just a ton of different variables. Right. Who the betrayer is is different every time. Like it might say, it. so it because it depends on a certain item getting picked up a lot of times or a certain omen, they might say like wh- whichever person is playing this character or if that character is not in play, whoever's mm-hmm. carrying this item so you don't know, even once you've played a while, you can't tell like predictably what's going to happen at all. One of the things I love about this game, and I, I played this game in college. Like I, I feel like I've been playing this game for like a decade, and I kind of have been. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I love is that because the scenarios are so varied, there could be one haunt where you're fighting as a spider queen, and there could be another one where you're fighting an ancient mummy. And there's another scenario where the house becomes alive and you don't have anyone to kill. You just need to escape the house. Do you remember what your first betrayal was? Yeah, my my first betrayal was... I mean, in this game. Yeah. Well, (laughs) in third grade, Lisa Modulesky took my pencil and never returned it. My first betrayal at the house in the hill haunt 
was the spider queen. And I remember I was the betrayer and I got stuck on the second floor and I was basically hunting down everybody else in the house and I was trying to cocoon them into my spiders, my, my little spider babies. And if I got two or three out of them, then I won. Right. But I got torched. I died. My first one was, I wasn't the betrayer, but it was the first time I ever played the game. And I think the person became basically like a Chucky doll. You they were like child's chasing play. us around. Why does it always come back to child's play It was with weird. You? I mean, that maybe that's why the game never stuck with me was it was this weird, like creepy child thing. No, but you like child's play. Like That doesn't mean that I want to be chased down by a demonic doll. Point taken. This is, it's an interesting game. You mentioned there's a whole bunch of different scenarios. Yeah. And one thing that this game is sort of notorious for, especially the base set, is that they didn't really fully play test, play test all of the scenarios <laughs> so the the way that the rules are written out like the betrayer like you said they go in a separate room and they basically have their own page of rules now mm-hmm. but some of the rules are a little bit unclear sometimes and it's just you and you can't like ask anyone else you're playing with or Use like come to an judgment. agreement yeah yeah and then yeah it's it's an interesting setup so it's funny because before the betrayal happened you're really just all walking around exploring. So that's not s- exactly cooperative either in terms of the like rules for cooperative purity, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you you your action is not really impacted by anybody else basically. Mm-hmm. But you once the betrayal happens, then it's only cooperative among the the remaining, remaining heroes. People. And so that part is interesting too, but typically from the betrayals i've observed the there is like some pretty full cooperation required from the remaining heroes sometimes it's a little bit like really as long as one person can do this one thing then everything will be fine but then you do actually depend on each other to win well and it's it's very varied because yeah there's been multiple i've gotten the same haunt two or three times now and uh the layout of the house will affect how the haunt plays out in like to the nth degree. Right. And it, it, it also depends on what you picked up in terms of items or events before the haunt. So yeah. well, really it's it'd be like impossible to play test every scenario. Right. You just and kinda I, hope for the best. I was gonna say we talked a little bit about the layout of the house before, but like in the in the regular version, there's a basement, a first floor, and a second floor. And you can only get between the floors from certain places sometimes mm-hmm. there's stairwells but then there's also like a pit that you fall into that takes you to the basement and so especially with stuff where like everybody has to be in a certain floor or maybe like an item that you need is going to be only in the basement or something like that mm-hmm. then it can really make a huge difference absolutely because yeah i've played games where okay the bad guy like the new betrayer has to be in the basement in this room, oh, right? He's and then, already in the oh, basement. they're already in the basement two rooms over. So yeah. there's no that way you part can catch of it, up. right, is basically done. Yeah, it's we've talked about this. I have sort of mixed feelings about. You're right that it's impossible to fully predict, right? It, but also, like you know, if you play test something enough times, I think you can get a feel for what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that because it varies so much in terms of how broken or not broken it is at the end. Sometimes I have found that to be a little bit frustrating, especially 
if you are the betrayer because then whatever is broken about it if it like impacts you then it's impacting you alone and that's a little frustrating you're a little cornered yeah Yeah. and i say this as somebody who was just again the betrayer (laughs) last night and i feel bad i was telling you like the last episode that we did i was like whining about how i had to be the betrayer in uh dead of winter dead of winter and i think part of it is that i just don't like that role like I think some people really relish that but I don't like feeling like everyone's against me mm-hmm. like that's why we do this show that's why I like cooperative together. games yeah, yeah. I don't like to just have that like I don't get a thrill out of that I, I think I think that's that's a good point to make because I we have talked about the differences in how we play this specific game several times um, and the one thing that I love about betrayal is that every time I play I'm never concerned with winning. I think it's hilarious the way that the story, the narrative of the game pans out. You could go to the second floor. You could walk across a bridge. The bridge could fall apart. You could be in the basement. You could find a secret tome. And then you could be a Dracula. Right. And then the Dracula could be like, well, I'm going to kill these kids now. But there's no door up to the first floor. So these kids are just like, this is the worst Dracula ever. And like, right. and beat Dracula, the Dracula is like trying to find new rooms so he can discover a, a yeah. way up. And, and like, I just think it's hilarious imagining the cinematic quality of these stories. But I also feel like when you become yeah. the betrayer and, and you get that new set of ext- instructions, it's like, it's me against the world. I have to do this. But because you don't know what you're going up against, it feels kind of lopsided sometimes. Right. So yeah, that's an important part of it is the betrayer has these new rules and the heroes have these new rules and you don't share the new things between you. So like when we played last night, we played a, an alternate version, but it we was, played the rules Baldur's were very Gate similar. Yeah. We played yeah. Baldur's Gate last night. Ju- but- just to, to clarify, Baldur's Gate has variations on the rules from betrayal at the house in the hill. They're, pretty much the same game with very few minor exceptions so right. we're just going to talk about them as if they're they're the same yeah so um it's it's basically like a new skin kind of to yeah. make it so Baldur's gate is in it is a dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. area um and so but it still is pretty horror focused and um like we had willow the wisps and we had one of our person become a were rat and was yeah. like biting other people right. and it's making like, them become were-rats. Yeah, it's like they took horror tropes and then like sort of bent them a little bit to be more fantastical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yesterday I was the betrayer when we played Baldur's Gate mm-hmm. and I had my own set of rules and in my rules I, I knew that I couldn't die anymore. Mm-hmm. So even if they like kept fighting me and beating me up my my life meters basically could not deplete yeah they couldn't deplete all the way but they didn't know that so they did like expend some energy just like firing at me which that was that's like an interesting thing so it didn't end up working to my advantage but it could be that if somebody had really been obsessed with trying to kill me that would have taken a lot of their energy away from their actual win condition well and even happened because i I was on the non-betrayer team i was on the pure of heart team one of the players on our team was like i'm just gonna go attack her and i'm like why would you do that we already have we we have what we have to do to win we should just do what we have to do to win it's like i'm gonna kill her i'm like no it's what if what if she can't die and turns out you couldn't die yeah you were right it was funny to listen to that um but yeah so i like i said i I think it's just not my jam to be the betrayer. the betrayer. It would be maybe kind of fun if that person was like way overpowered, which I think occasionally they do end up being overpowered. Mm-hmm. 
But then it's also not fun if everyone else you're playing with is like, this is broken and it sucks. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about like you, you specifically will say your view is like, yeah, I pay attention to the narrative, which I agree. I think that the narrative stuff is really interesting. All of the horror tropes are really neat. Like I'm also the items the you sucker find. for the horror trope stuff. Yeah, like the I think the whole story part of the game is very interesting. All of the cards have flavor text on that I love to read out with right. like like a character voice and try to make it creepy and everyone else around the table is like, can we just get on with it? No, like, I don't think that's true. I think everyone usually likes reading the cards. Well, anyway, when we play... You're like, I just focus on like that part of it Mm -hmm. and I don't get bogged down in the mechanics of like who, you know, is this broken a little bit. I was a little tipsy last night and I decided to role play my dwarf from Baldur's Gate and it was real bad. I was like, I just, oh boy, I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) And I think I, I just think I can't get away from, it's just still not super fun to me if that, you know, at the end like if everything leading up to it was fun and then the end kind of falls apart a little bit, mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't work. But I've also, I've played this game maybe like 10 times and <laughs> I've never had a game where I was like, that was super fantastic. It came down to the wire. It was really fun. And mm-hmm. I know that that's possible because like, you know, there's a million variation. Maybe if I have one experience like that, I'll be like looking for that again mm-hmm. and that'll change it. But I'm always like, I don't, I'm torn about this like, game. I don't know it, how to feel. I, I feel like we've played this together with different groups multiple times. Yeah. And you've always seemed to come away with like this feeling of wanting more. Yeah. And, and it, it's always vexed me because I really love playing this game because I love seeing how the different scenarios pan out and I love playing with different groups. But I feel like in many of the groups that we played with, I'm often the odd man out and being like very enthusiastic and like, I just want to do it for the experience. But I, 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 if there was a way to pitch the game as like an interactive storytelling type thing, or we're just gonna have like a, a, a right. like a like a spooky story type game, it'd be different. But but the second that the game is puts, about uh, winning and losing, yeah, the, right. like I think the second you put in heavy win conditions, some people like like a switch flips, right. and they begin operating differently. But I, I, I really love this game, and I think that you know I'm really happy that we have all the versions of the game that we have. But I also think that when I started playing it, when I played it in college and when I first moved here to Chicago, we would learn the game so inside and out that we could get through a full game in like 45 minutes or an hour. That's And I, I feel like the game is, is kind of bite-sized because if you can get to the haunt quickly, you can get a game over with like within an hour. I think maybe that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. We, it's, we keep playing with people who haven't played before, mm-hmm. I think. So the game takes a little bit longer and then the payoff is more frustrating to me because it like took longer sure. to get there. And I think I was talking to you about this yesterday. Something that would be really interesting to me, and I don't know if there's like a homebrew rule for this out there anywhere. Probably not. I don't really know that it's possible. But I think if it wasn't just one person who was the betrayer, <coughs> like if you could do it where if it was like a game of five people... So the game plays three to six. Mm-hmm. Um, if well, you could do it where it was a game of five people and then there were two betrayers who were working together, at least if it was like broken, it wouldn't just be broken for one right. select person. One person wouldn't be would either suffering or benefiting. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, right. Because I was thinking like, you know, I don't have this terrible feeling with like 
secret Hitler. Not terrible, but mm-hmm. I, I don't like have this frustration as much with like secret Hitler or Battlestar Galactica or these other games where there's a betrayer mechanic. But I think it's because you end up betraying with a team mm-hmm. in some fashion. And that you know part you're of not it, alone. Yeah, that part of it is helpful. So like when you were just describing that, what you want is Scooby Doo. Like if there was a way to make Betrayal at the House in the Hill or Betrayal at uh, Baldur's Gate and have it be like an app game where there's an app that will do the betrayer part for you or like maybe you go in with five people, but you discover kind of like Cabin in the Woods, like you discover there's a werewolf and then the the app is like put a token on on this room. The app will now be the betrayer. The bad guy. Yeah. Like, right. I, I think that you would love. Wait, what like does a, Scooby-Doo? What are you talking about? What do you about? mean? You just like play a Scooby-Doo. It's like you're a bunch of Scoobies. You go into a haunted house. Oh, you, wanna... you you meant yeah. like, yeah, like like just have a team that is just against the bad guy. I can see you really getting into something like that. But again, yeah. that's like that's Mansions of Madness. No, and but I really loved Mansions yeah. of Madness. Yeah, I yeah, think but, that's but like, why. That's that's the thing. Like that game exists, but I think Mansions of Madness is a little too dark. Yeah, and Mansions of Madness is different, right? Because it's Cthulian and it's extremely complicated. And yeah, stuff. it's very complicated. So I like I don't think it's just like that, but. But we talked about, like, even though Mansions of Madness does have a similar issue where, like, it's really, it can be really long. And then <coughs> every, because it's a Cthulian, Cthulian game, like, everything's kind of against you. So a lot of times you'll spend a long time and then you'll still end up dying. There was something about oh, it that crap. was still yeah. enjoyable. And I think part of that is because we were doing it together. Mm-hmm. So if it had just been one person... And then the other side was like, well, I won. You know, like, it, I don't know. It's weird. It, and, haunt- and it works both ways. Like, I think if it's really broken and the betrayer just wins right away, that's may leave kind of everybody feeling weird, Yeah, I, I've definitely played on both sides of the pond where one, one team is very overpowered and the other team isn't. But I, I played more unbalanced games than I have balanced games. Right. But I still manage to have fun every time. Yeah. Um. I think that we should take a little break, listen to a trailer for another Versus the Universe Network show. When we come back, I want to talk about what scares you and whether this game is good for a first date. Okay, let's you do, it. do it. High yeah. five? That was bad. It was. We're, we're across this table. Let's just go to the... Let's just listen right, to the thing. bye. Hi, friends. My name is Sean Lenhart, and I have spent my entire adult life looking for some friends to go on a quest with. In every group of friends I've encountered, at least one of them has a regular tabletop RPG that they play with their other friends. Out of all these friend circles, some interconnected, some completely isolated, I have been unable to join in on the adventure for one reason or another. So, I'm embarking on my own tabletop adventure. I'm playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons all by myself, with my wife acting as DM. Neither of us have any idea of what we're doing, so join us for the fun and silliness. We'll be bringing in special guests on commentary episodes who will offer their opinions of the quest and teach us how better to play D&D. Check us out on iTunes at Dungeon and or Dragon, on Twitter at D and or D Podcast, and on Facebook.com slash Dungeon and or Dragon. Ring, 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 ring. This is Liz. Hello, Liz. I'm back. 
I thought we talked before. I and- really just wanted to call and apologize. Oh, that's so nice of you. I've been doing a lot of introspective thinking. I I appreciate that. I I just wanted to say that uh, you you are you are a unique individual and and I I should I should not be bothering you at home and I I just wanted to apologize and let you know that this experience has helped me grow and uh, I'm just going to terrorize other people from now on. Oh, I really appreciate you thinking about this and taking the time to to reach out to me, but you know you don't have to terrorize other people too. Like maybe you should focus on where the terror is coming from? Like, is that coming from inside you? I never knew my father. Oh no. Well, I oh, think god, maybe you should. Dad. Maybe you should oh, do god. some more soul searching. Oh god. You sound. Do you just like want to come <laughs> over for a drink and like we can just talk about it? Oh, could I? Yeah. That'd yeah. Be great. Aaron, I need to. I need to be invited in. Oh, what? 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 Maybe we'll just do it on the porch. Okay. Aaron. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, uh, Mr. Gehostface, he's gonna he's gonna come over and have a drink. He's having a really hard time. Is he trying to sell us something again? No, I think he's just trying to like come to grips with his childhood. Uh, okay, we we can we give him a drink, but not the good whiskey. We'll give him some of the cheap stuff. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Mr. Gehostface. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you come over? You can just. Uh... I'll see you soon. In All fact, right. I can see you right now. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. We're back from the break. That sounds like a fun show. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to listen to it. Um, okay, so uh, we're in the back half of the episode now, Liz. Uh, so one thing, one thing that I told you I wanted to talk about on this specific episode is, you know, this game has all sorts of monsters in it. There's Frankenstein's, there's Dracula's, there's goblins, there's all, there's mummies. Like, what, what like classic monster like scares you the most? Like, what are you scared of? Of the classic monsters? Well, like any any monster, I guess. Like chupacabra. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I was going to, so when we were just talking about like things that scare you, I always had these like really uh, like more, not more like realistic fears. Like my parents (laughs) split up when I was young and then I moved away from my mom. So I was always like afraid something was going to happen to her. And I feel like that happened to a lot of kids that with that. So like that's like what my nightmares were about when I was growing up. I didn't really (coughs) worry about like I, I was always just like, yeah, vampires are either not real or cool. Like they're not <laughs> they're like definitely the they're not like both real and going to get me. <laughs> it's like I didn't I didn't really worry about straight up traditional monsters. I, but but I will say I my one concession to this because mm-hmm. I was like I don't think any of this is real, but I'm not 100% positive because you can't know everything. Mm-hmm. So when I was little, I had this rule where when I was sleeping, no part of my body could be outside the of bed? the covers. Oh. oh, outside of the covers. Except for like my, or over the bed. But okay. like I had my the Over the covers, bed is like something I still up. can't do. Over the bed, I still would have a hard time with for sure. No, because the monster be like, can come under the bed and grab yeah. your leg and pull you under. Right. I used to be, well, right, exactly. And I used to not be able to have like my arm over the covers or anything. Wow. And I had, my room was like in the basement, two floors away from everybody else. Well, hell yeah. So I was like scream they can't hear you yeah i was like straight up something is gonna get me but it'll be okay if i'm like under the covers yeah somehow i mean you're you're basically a survivalist you know how to get through the night exactly (laughs) exactly so what about you what what classic monster are you afraid of i'm not afraid of uh well i just gotta say i love vampires i love 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 vampires it was something we connected Uh, with one of the first things we talked about on our first date i love vampires how sweet um Gosh, I guess like or like new monsters. 
I but get, I meant ah real monsters like Icarus. No, I meant like when you said classic monsters, I assumed you didn't mean like existential dread or like worrying about your parents' death. <laughs> like <laughs> you know what you know what really scared me was uh, it follows. I, I know we, we were just talking about it follows a yeah. lot. Yeah, did it really scare you? Like the the like uh, sex allegory of it follows really cool. The monster in it follows terrifying because that is creepy. The idea that it's a monster only you can see and it will not stop like. If right. you run across town, it will just keep walking towards you. And it takes the the form of form of oh. just regular people. It like that is Are you gonna have nightmares tonight? No, no. But that that was truly terrifying to me. That was very, very scary. Yeah. Um I, I think I think that was the scariest thing I've seen recently. But man, I just wanna be a vampire. Like one of the earliest movies I could remember seeing and feeling intellectual about was uh uh Interview with the Vampire. Oh, so good. I know. I don't know if it's held up. I don't know if it yeah, holds up Yeah, it well. was so good when I yeah. was young, and I was like, Kirsten Dunst is awesome. Yeah. I mean, she was good in that, but uh, I just, I love the idea of vampires as like sorrowful, mournful creatures that are right. that are cursed, not like, you know. Were you ever afraid of clowns? Oh, f*** you. Why would you bring that up? Wow. Oh, God. Oh, That's God. so aggressive. No, I'm just, I didn't even think of clowns. Now you brought them up. That is scary. Clowns are I scary. I can't tell if you're joking No, right clowns now. are scary. Clowns are, are you legit You were like scary. so excited to see it with me. Because it, I know what happens at the end. The kids win. Man, I don't know. They don't forever though, Here, really. It, I feel like what that movie did, uh, and like what that book did, um, was it took like the Americana of like the seventies right. and like the G whiz Stephen of, King. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it gave these kids something that should be very happy. And as they transition into adulthood and, and figure out what, like what real life is, took something that should be really wholesome and made it something very sinister. Yeah, so I really like that story because of that. Right. But I hate clowns in real life. And that was also an allegory. Like all of them had terrible home lives that mm-hmm. should have been like idyllic home lives. And instead they were garbage. And so, right. Stephen King is like that. I, get, I agree with you about it. That's why the reason I brought it up is like, I have never thought clowns were scary. I almost felt like people thought clowns were scary because they were told, told they were scary. Yeah, right? Like, I don't know what is the genesis of that. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure when you're little, a little kid, like the the big garish outfits and like weird shapes and everything probably freak you out. But. I think it like it's a little bit of body horror to me because of the face right. paint and like, right. like you can see their mouths and there's a smile painted over the mouth. So I'm like, you're always lying. Because it's not, it's not that's a real like, smile. That's a deep take. Well, I, I specifically remember telling that I to my wish, mom and she was like, what is wrong with my child? I would love child? for you to have gone to a circus and be like five years old <laughs> and start like crying when you see a clown and they'll be like, oh, are you okay? And you'll be like, You're your lying. face is always lying. <laughs> uh, I think something like that kind of happened. You'd have to ask my mom. Oh, good. So you probably like ruined some clown guy's life. I mean, he was a clown. Damn. What? It's, it's an art. Scary. It's uh it's not a living though. Like it's Damn. it's scary. Like clowns. So, mm. Yeah, none of those traditional things. I don't know. I don't think any of them particularly scare me. They scare me in the moment, right? Like you know, I jump and stuff during scary movies. You are great during scary movies. I love it. <laughs> Cuz I get like really 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 tense. And I like in your Yelp. I like can't move until I know you know they like the tension builds up until the person goes through the door. 
um, I can like see the jump scares coming and they still freak me out. And I think maybe sometimes I wonder if my hearing impairment like helps or hinders during that because <laughs> sure. I'm sure I'm getting fewer mm-hmm. of the like creepy background sounds. When we were playing The Evil Within, I was like, I can hear all this ambient noise right. and you can't and that's right. killing me. But on the other hand, I also don't get a lot of uh, auditory cues mm-hmm. for like jump scares that are coming up or things like that. So I don't see it at all until it happens, yeah. like until I can actually see it. Until it's right there. So yeah, I'm, that stuff scares me in the moment. I don't like blood and gore very much. Yeah. So. I don't always, that's the reason I don't always love scary movies because I don't like that part of it. But the actual movies themselves, like they don't usually, I mean, I for years I was always like the only scary movie that really stuck with me was The Birds because yeah, anytime I, I would see birds like gathering together on a wire, I was like, that's such a, it's such a visceral thing. Mm-hmm. Like you associate that image now and it really does happen all the time. Well, and that's why like whenever I see a very, we were staying at a hotel for a wedding a year or two ago, and our hotel had this long hallway with red carpet, and all I could think of was The Shining. Yeah. And like stuff like the that. The Shining is, I, I will say The Shining is pretty creepy. Yeah. I think I think stuff like that where like weird things, where there's like a lot of weird shit that just shows up, that stuff starts to freak me out because I have a pretty vivid imagination, and it and it's like the dark. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And the only thing that really scares me in real life is heights. I, I, you know what really scares me? And, and whenever, whenever I have a vivid nightmare, it's always the same. I, I will have a nightmare where something will just be kind of off and I will be fighting to be like, why is something like this? Mm -hmm. Like, why? Like, it'll be like, why is everyone wearing a baseball cap? And be like, what do you mean? Be like, this is very weird. You're all wearing the same baseball cap. And then the next day it might be like everyone's dressed in a uniform and I'm not. And I'll be like, why is like, I don't get why this is abnormal. And everyone treats me. you have a fear of being different, Aaron. Maybe. Like, like I don't know. There's some dream interpretation there. Liz, I have a question. Yeah. Is betrayal, uh, is betrayal at the house in the hill or betrayal at Baldur's Gate? Is this a good game to play on a first date? Uh, I'm going to say... No, for mm-hmm. a couple of reasons. First, as we've discussed in the past, when mm-hmm. it's a three-person minimum, that can be more challenging for first date situations. Sure. Unless, you know, if you're initiating a throuple or a double date or something like that. But in a date situation, you never want somebody to be put on the defensive, mm-hmm. I think. And that's what happens in this game. Like somebody has to get singled out. Mm-hmm. And that's like the opposite of the point of a date. So I would say no. I I would I'm gonna fight back and I'm gonna say yes. I, I think I think this is a fantastic game for maybe not a first date, but I think it's a great If we played this game on our first date, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, there would have been a third person there and you know, we, and who knows? Would have been a wild night. Damn. Um I, I think this game might not be perfect for a first date, but I think it's a great first hangout type game. I think the rules are are not so crunchy that you wouldn't be able to like one person give them a look over and teach it. I think that is if you have like a few beers and you can kind of just concentrate on having fun and not winning. I think it's a great game, but I think it depends yeah. on the type it's of person. It's a lot of caveats. <clears throat> well, it de- it more depends on the type of person, right? Well, exactly. Like, but like the whole point of a first date is you don't always know that. If this was a scenario where it's like, I'm going to invite you over, you should 
hang out with my friend, you'd really get along. I feel like this would be a good icebreaker type game because yeah. it needs a lot of conversation. You need to talk and communicate. And I think that's it's a good attribute for the game. I'll keep pushing back on that. If you could just if you like did that and then you could guarantee that neither one of the two people you were trying to set up would be the betrayer, then maybe. Imagine if it's a three-person game and the two people you're trying to set up were not the betrayers and they had to work together to vanquish evil. Right. That's a great first date story. But that's like the whole thing about this game. Like it all comes down to the chance and you can always say, well, if this thing happened, it would have been cooler. But if that's not what happens, then you're just left with the less exciting. Listen, I'm just going to say, if you can't banish the spirit of ball in in the game then should you even be together anyway like so that's actually a great segue because i do think we should very quickly go over like what the differences are Mm -hmm. with baldur's gate Mm -hmm. so we mentioned it briefly like the there still is horror it's still definitely a horror game there's still vampires and 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 terrible creatures in baldur's Gate. right but you're the characters you're playing are like an elf a, a drow, dwarf, a dwarf, a halfling, a like paladin, they're fantasy a people. And then um, I actually made a note that they, because it's a new game, mm-hmm. they did make some good changes. They, so one thing that can be um, challenging for taking up space, like sometimes the game takes up a lot of space to lay out because of the way the rooms are. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is that doors have to line up in the original game, but in the new one, it's set up so that doors do have to line up, but a lot more of them, I think, have like four doors on them. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it ends up being a lot blockier, which isn't quite mm-hmm. as cool looking, but it's easier to fit on the table. Well, and also in Baldur's Gate, you're making a you're making the city of Baldur's Gate, whereas right. in House of the Hill, you're making a haunted house with a first floor, second floor, it's uh, a basement. basement, first floor, second floor. Yeah, yeah, um, right. And so you have like the in Baldur's Gate, you have catacombs mm-hmm. and then. Uh, buildings and streets Mm -hmm. right and um they also made it a tiny bit easier because you always had to sort of shuffle through all of the room cards until you found one that was for the right floor Mm -hmm. and the it's not super easy to tell them apart because it's just where the lighting is on the the back art but for the new one um because there's buildings and streets on the same (laughs) level basically you tell the difference based on the color of the door, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but I don't, that's the only one I can, the only differences I can really think of. I mean, and the scenarios are a little different. There's a few minor differences. And when you open up the first page of the instruction yeah. manual, there's a little chart that says, if you've played before, these are the only differences. Right. And that helped us do like a quick start. Yeah. The omen, the omen thing was the other difference that I think is worth yeah. talking about. There's like sort of a complicated math. Not that complicated, but yeah, it's kind of a math equation, in, right? Like in the in the first game, you basically like are rolling these dice, and it's it's like, do you want to get a higher number than of, than the, omen the cards number of drawn. omen cards that have been drawn? So you keep track of how many omen cards have been drawn in the game, and I get what they're trying to do. Like it, it's an interesting mechanic, but mm-hmm. it gets a little obnoxious. And so in this Baldur's Gate, it's just. When you, you roll as many dice as omen cards have been drawn, but mm-hmm. the, the cutoff is always the number six. And the dice are um, a little unusual. They're D6s that have blank spaces, one, two, and three. No, it's just or one just two. Blank, yeah, yeah, sorry. Blank spaces, ones, and two. So mm-hmm. to roll a six, you'd have to have drawn at least three omen cards already in the game. So it, 
it makes it go a little bit faster Baldur's and it's Gate, easier. Baldur's Gate seems like you get to the haunt. Yeah. At least uh, um, more efficiently, where in Betrayal at the House on the Hill, if you have a really shitty roll, you could have the haunt on like yeah. your second or third turn. But Yeah. So um, depending on what someone's interest is in terms of like if they like D&D or like fantasy lore stuff, that might be a good mm-hmm. alternate route. I think that the game is super, super fun. I, I understand that. It's very uneven, um, but if you have the opportunity to play it, especially during October, I think it's suitably spooky. It is suitably spooky. It's a good I'll give game. You that. I, I think it's a good game. I'm really happy that we have it, and it seems like it seems like you never have an amazing time, but you're always up to play it again sometime later. Yeah. Like you're always. <laughs> that you're... sounds like come play at Arby's in the Arby's. <laughs> Wait, what? I feel like you just were like Arby's. Yeah, like that's like a. You gotta, you gotta have, you gotta do something. Play this game. Jesus. I mean, the you way you were describing it. Eat at Arby's. Right. That's actually the rally slogan. I've talked about this you gotta before. Gotta eat somewhere. You gotta eat. Eat rallies. <laughs> like, literally, you'll die if you don't have calories. So literally, eat our you'll die food. of boredom if you don't play this um, game. I, what I was trying to get at is like, yeah, I mean, when the, when the description of how I feel about it is basically like, I don't ever hate it, <laughs> but 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 you you never say no. I don't want to play that. Yeah, I think I think depending in you know in the future if there are other options, <laughs> I think depending in the future if there are other options. alternatives, mm-hmm. then I might choose the alternative. Mm-hmm. Depending. Depending. Right. It's a lot of caveats. Well, because I don't want to. You know, you've said that you really like it, and so I want to support me, you. Huh? All right. Yeah. Cool. So if I have a bad time, it's your fault. Well, I've made that my motto ever since we met, so it's fine. Um, Liz, I think it's about time we go to the credits department. What do you think? I think that sounds right. There's actually uh, there's somebody tapping on the glass. What's that knife? He's back. Oh, he's using... Can you put the put the knife... Don't. We don't want to scratch the glass. I'm yeah, so we'll sorry. Be our, I'm just trying to get in. Well, no. I, I said... Up. Oh my We're, God! No, just let's let's finish this up. Give give me the sheet so I can do the credits. All right, we'll be with you in a second. Hold on. All right, everybody. So this podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment and ours. Come back often and feel free to add the Cooperatives Podcast to your favorite podcatcher. As always, reviews are very welcome and they help the show succeed. We just got two new reviews in iTunes from two different people. Uh, thank you so 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 much. Uh, it really helps a lot, and it does. And it helps other people find it. Uh, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna give them a special shout out on Twitter and Facebook in the next few days. Uh, I, I don't have the information with me, but thank you, thank you so much. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cooperatives Pod and on Facebook at Facebook.com/CooperativesPod. If there's a particular game you think we should play and discuss, please don't hesitate to send us an email at CooperativesPod at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. We are also a part of the Versus the Universe Network, and if you'd like to help the show succeed and, you know, chip in a buck, go to patreon.com slash versus the universe and listen to all the other shows on the Versus the Universe Network. We're launching a few new ones soon. We're relaunching panels on channels. The Memory Card Podcast is uh, in full swing. Dungeon and or Dragon is uh, is coming back for the new episode soon, and they're all great, and we hope you enjoy them. So yeah. all the links are in the show notes, and... Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. See you later. All right, let's go let our guest in. No, we're, we're going out to the porch. I don't want him in here. Oh, okay. 
right. Yeah, I'm going to bring this crowbar just in case. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.